Father, we worship you, we praise you, we long to see you high and lifted up. Father, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, in the world. Thank you that you love us so much that you sent him for the sake of the world. Thank you that through Jesus Christ, we now have access to the Father. We can come before your throne of grace and of mercy because we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, as we come together this evening, as we worship you, as we praise you, as we meditate on your word, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be ever present with us, even as we are in our own separate homes. So, Lord, we covet your presence amongst us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Michaela and Andrea, for leading us in worship. It was beautiful. Over the last few weeks, we have been looking at the early church in the book of Acts. Now, there is so much to look at in the book of Acts, but we've only considered a few different aspects. We've kind of themed it as we've looked through the book. So we've looked at the birth of the church, considered the growth of the church and the spread of the gospel. We've touched on the struggles and the suffering of the early church and then we also looked at the power of the early church over Pentecost. Now this evening we will be dealing with the last in our series on the early church. There is so much more that we could look at as it's an incredibly insightful book for us to learn from concerning our own history as the body of Christ. But for the next few minutes, I would like us to look at how the book of Acts ends. Now we could say as a matter of opinion that there may be more emphasis placed on the first part of the book of Acts, with not enough interest perhaps shown on the second section of the book. And I think that there may be a reason for that. I think that the reason may be related to how the book of Acts ends. Now, during lockdown, I found myself spending more time watching movies and some series, understandably. Now, I can't say that I finished watching Netflix, but I had my fair share of entertainment. By the way, I want, to, I want to recommend to you the series called The Chosen. I believe you can find it on YouTube as well. Now the thing about watching a movie or following a series is that it has a beginning or an introduction and then the story starts to unfold and as the story unfolds you eagerly await to see how the story is going to end. And so as the story is carrying you along, you wonder, does the bad guy get the smackdown that he deserves? Is there a happily um, ever after ending? Does the lead character have the victory that we hope he's going to get? And so on and so on. And this, in our minds, is how stories are supposed to end. But the thing about the book of Acts is that it doesn't end that way. The book of Acts 
ends and it leaves you hanging. It's a kind of an open-ended ending. The climax that you were hoping to see isn't quite there. Now, as we consider the book of Acts, there are um, different stories in the book of Acts. It's called also the Acts of the Apostles. And the first section of the book of Acts focuses on the ministry of Peter and the second part of the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles focuses on the ministry of Paul. So a very quick summary of the second part of, of the book of Acts is that it focused on the gospel mission of Paul as he made four journeys into Asia Minor and then on into Greece. And the final chapters of Acts deal with Paul's arrest, his imprisonment, and then his appearance before Roman officials. And all of this happens in Jerusalem. Paul there appeals that his case should be heard in Rome, and so he is sent to Rome. And we read about that in chapter 25. Paul travels by boat uh, on an unfortunate journey that ends in shipwreck on the island of Malta. And after finally making it to Rome, Paul is imprisoned and he's there and he awaits trial. As we follow the story in the book of Acts, the story seems to be building to a climactic conclusion, but then the story just ends. And here is the concluding line of the Acts of the Apostles. It's in Acts chapter 28, verses 30 to 31. It says, He lived there, this is Paul, two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The end. And as we get to that part, we are left asking, but what happened next? We wonder, was Paul released because he was in prison? Was he brought to trial before the emperor? Was he convicted and could he possibly have been martyred? We aren't told here in this book of Acts. And it feels like when you get to that part, that is kind of a strange way to end. And then we were left with the question, why on earth does, does the author of the book of Acts, Luke, end writing the book this way? Maybe he finished writing Acts while Paul was still in prison, and so this was as far as the story had gotten to. Or perhaps, and this is another theory, that says that Luke actually wrote the book of Acts to send to Theophilus, who's mentioned in the beginning, who may have been an attorney who would then have represented Paul in court, and the amount of information that Luke wrote down here in the book would then have been enough. We aren't really sure. But I think that the thing is that the book isn't really about Paul. Neither is it about Peter. I think that 
the book of Acts has a more important message for us. Most scholars agree that Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is the theme. It's a thesis statement and a crucial verse as we consider the whole book of Acts. We find that Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this to us, the words of Jesus. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Acts isn't really only a general history of the early church. It's not everything Luke knows about the history of early Christianity. It's, it's too limited for that. There's too much that has been left out, seemingly. So much more could have been written, so much more detail could have been added. Rather, the understanding is that what follows on from Jesus' statement here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is the development, the outworking of the Holy Spirit coming upon us and us becoming witnesses of Jesus. So it's about the Holy Spirit coming upon people who God has called and set apart. Acts has also been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because we have Pentecost and then we read about incidents like Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, addressing the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4 and verse 8. In Acts chapter 8, we see the Holy Spirit falling on the new believers in Samaria. In Acts 18 and verse 23, we see the Holy Spirit forbidding Paul to go to some places and then guiding him to other places. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 59 times in the book of Acts. And then also the book of Acts, secondly, is about being witnesses. Witnesses to Jesus. Jesus' words there are, you will be my witnesses. And when we think about witnesses, we think about apostles like Stephen and of course Peter and Paul. Being a witness in the way that we see it here in Acts is simply telling a story. The story of Jesus. The story of how Jesus has changed someone's life. The story of how Jesus has changed a whole community of hearers into doers and followers. So it's also about being witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, in the book of Acts, the history of the early church, Luke tells this story. And he starts in Jerusalem first, and then they go to Samaria and then the gospel expands and on to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth wasn't Rome, even though it may seem that way as Paul ends up in Rome and that's where the story leaves us. The ends of the earth is exactly that. The ends of the earth. And we are evidence of that because here we are at the tip of Africa, followers of Jesus. We are, the, we are the fruit of that mandate that Jesus gave all those years ago 
So we are connected to these early believers that we read about in this, in this book. But the crucial point about all of this is that the ending of Acts is in fact a non-ending. It is not an ending at all because Luke, the author of Acts, actually intended a volume 3. Not one that he would write, but one that the Holy Spirit would write in the life of the church. Like a movie, a film, where the movie writer ends with a sequel in mind. You think about films like Lord of the Rings, or Star Wars, or The Matrix, or Pirates of the Caribbean, and so on and so on. But in this case, that we are considering here, Luke is not going to write volume 3. He's not going to do the last one. Rather, the Holy Spirit will write volume 3 with future Christians as role players, as actors. And we are those future actors. We are those role players that the Holy Spirit is using to write volume 3. And so Acts marks a transition from one period of witnesses onto the next. Now as we consider that idea, what would our volume 3 look like? A three-volume movie series will have connections between the volumes. There would be themes that reoccur, kind of like echoes, parallels from the one onto the other and onto the next. Think of your favorite movie series like Star Wars, for example. There are aspects or little storylines that carry on from part one into part two into part three. Now it's crucial for us to see the parallels between the connecting volumes so that we can track and move along with. In scripture, volume one is Luke's gospel, the gospels. Volume two is Acts. And for volume 3, we need to be the continuation. So what are the parallels between volume 1 and volume 2? Between Luke and Acts? What are the connections? What are the themes that reoccur? The echoes and the parallels that we see continuing. Here are some thoughts of what some recurring themes could be. There's... The work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus first, and then we see it in Peter and in Paul. There are parallel miracles. We see Jesus performing miracles, and then we see Peter performing miracles, and then Paul. There's the ongoing preaching of the Word, and the ongoing progress of, of the Word. Then there's also the theme of the kingdom of heaven, which gets followed and carried through. Then there are journeys that we see with not a lot of settling down, but understanding that movement following needs to happen. And then another important one that we see is the importance of community. 
and of being together as the followers of Jesus. And then also one of the ones that we spent time on was that the Christian life is one that includes suffering. It involves trials. And in Acts we see it involves imprisonment and even death. In this, the Christian is following Jesus. Now, although the book has ended, the story has not. Luke finishes with a subliminal message that isn't there, but it's understood to be there, to be continued. The open-ended ending tells us that. We as the readers, we as the followers of Jesus are to finish the story. We continue the writing. It is to include the readers in the continuing task of spreading the word. It challenges us as followers to press on with the unfinished task. Now as I conclude, right now we find ourselves in a very challenging season in the history of the world, in the history of mankind. History will always remember the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020. The world right now is in crisis. And just as of late, coupled with this crisis, this pandemic, there's another one that is raging right now in the USA. I saw on the news earlier that every state in the United States has crowds of people who are protesting racism and police brutality in the light of the killing of an African-American man, one of many. Now, we've been spending time over these last few weeks reflecting on generations of followers of Jesus who have gone before us. And we've looked at and considered the legacy that they have left for us. And in doing so, we have been considering their works. How will this generation, that's us, how will we be remembered by the generation that will follow us? What will the next generation of followers of Jesus have to say about us and the way that we would have responded to the crisis that the world is in right now? Will this next generation be able to reflect on mercy and justice that we have shown the poor and the marginalized during a time of crisis? Will the next generation be able to boast about how the church mobilized itself and cared for people, remembering that you and I are the church? Will the coming generations still have to deal with racism? Because when they reflect back on what we did, will they be able to say that we did enough? 
Will they be able to make notes of how we handled the Ministry of Reconciliation? Or will they shrink back in disappointment? What will be said of us? I, when I consider myself, I wonder what will I be able to say to my grandchild when they ask, Grandpa, what was your contribution during the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020? Grandpa, what did you do when you experienced and had to deal with racism back then? I pray that I will be able to answer with a message of good news. May we all be faithful writers of volume three. Let's pray. Father, right now we bring before your throne of grace again ourselves. And we ask, Lord, that you would touch us again right now, even during this time of crisis. Lord, we ask that you would come now and that you would lead us afresh. Lead us from this place of crisis. We eagerly desire to again see green pastures, to be led by still waters. Father, we ask that you would come now again and help us to unify as your body. Help us to be focused on whatever is excellent, whatever is noble, because we eagerly desire to see your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, Amen.